how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You're listening to a live broadcast of Hey 19, where we will educate, illuminate, and entertain. You could try to get in. Special shout-out to David, who's back there all by his lonesome. So instead of a big team, we have David, and I don't know how he has enough hands to take care of everything and even answer my questions uh, during a show. But he's amazing. But if you can get through, you can call us at 844-999-9249 if there's anything happening in your life now with corona that you feel it's important to discuss what's happening. is so much stuff happening in the world. Um, we now know clearly that schools will not be opening up at least anytime soon. So as much as we hoped for, it was a good hope. But uh, we now have to take care of all the children at home, all the different schooling, all the different grades. And people are talking about parents are becoming um, teachers for homeschooling. Um, it was nice news on the, on the today that they've raised funds. 50,000 computers have been donated for Detroit so those children can, uh, can get online with their teachers. Uh, where I am, we've been working on different plans. I've been working on phone conferences with my students. And we'll be switching our, uh, our, our uh, whichever phone system we're using because when you use free, you get what you pay for. And therefore, we need to switch it up. But it was amazing. And as I was doing recordings, now I'm doing it live. And I I guess I got on 20 seconds after the official time, and almost my whole class was on already. So these children really, really want to study. They really want to learn. They just don't. They're stuck at home, which is what we got to do when there's there's this corona. At the same time... (laughs) We have to help our children. We got to encourage them, find stuff for them to do, keep them occupied. And uh, and really, we'll all do the best we could. As I, as I keep telling people, I was uh, talking to somebody last night from Portland. She'll be on our show in a couple weeks. And, and, and what I keep bringing up to people, this is what I'm finding in my home. And we talked to Maz a couple weeks ago. He's finding it. The children get it. They understand that we're not living in normal times. When you're not living in normal times, you, you can't be your regular self. So the children, at least again, this is what I'm hearing, what I'm finding. I hope you're finding the same, no guarantee. But they learn to live with each other. They learn to be nicer. They learn to be kinder. I was speaking to, to Paul the other night, and he said, if we could learn one thing from Corona is it's we got to be nice to each other. We got to be kind to each other. It's almost like God said, "You're all staying home." And it's like you, you got to go to your room. You're all staying home. Make sure when I let you out, you are nicer and kinder. Because if you don't want to hang out with anybody, which is what we're going to talk a lot about today, if you don't want to hang out with anybody, don't hang out with anybody. Stay in your room. You want to not be nice. You want to be mean. You want to be cruel. That's fine. You're going to your room. Do we all need this lesson? Maybe. Because we all could be kinder. We all could be friendlier. We all could say hello. It's almost, 
you know, I'm a very smiley person. Um, I must have had to go to the pharmacy this morning, and I always smile to smile, say hello whenever I get to the cash register. I don't know if they call it a cash register anymore, but, you know, where the person is going to take your credit card. And um, I, I'm feeling myself smile, and I say, you know what? I got a mask on. Now, not in here because there's no one in here. But in the store, I'm wearing a mask. They've asked that everybody here, I don't know where you are, but where I am, they've asked everyone should wear masks. I wear a mask. But that means you can't see me smile. And that bothers me. In other words, you you greet somebody, you smile. When you smile, they smile back. But now we're all wearing masks. So I don't see you smile. You don't see me smile. So again, it's all part of the same thing that if you want to walk around being grumpy, if you want to walk around not helping people feel good by smiling, no problem. Go to your room. Go to your room. Stay in your room. When you're ready to smile at people, we're ready to let you out. That actually reminds me, um, it was a recent uh, Talmud that I, that I had studied, a recent page, a very, very famous Jewish story. Um, which is not in my notes, but, you know, that's what happens when you start talking. So the story goes like this. Uh, there was a great Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and there was a group of great rabbis. It was the time of the Romans had taken over, and, and they were building up, and they were, and they were basically taking over Israel. And these three rabbis were discussing if they liked what the Romans were doing. So one rabbi said, look, we got markets, we got bridges, we got roads. It's, a very, it's very good. One rabbi kept quiet, and this Rav Shem said, they're all selfish. They're not doing this for me and you. They're doing it for their own per- personal reasons, to collect taxes, to, to do whatever they want to do with their lives. Uh, but they're not, don't think they're doing it for you. Okay, so there was a fourth person there, goes home, talks to his wife, and his wife or his family, his parents, must have related the story. Romans got wind of it. They uh, honored the rabbi who spoke nicely about them, they exiled the rabbi who was quiet, and this rabbi who opened up his mouth, he was uh, sentenced to death, but they had to find him. So he went, first he went to hide in the synagogue, he was afraid they would find him. So he and his son went to the cave, very famous story. They go to a cave, there's a, a, a carob tree, or a buxer tree, we've talked about this story before. There was a, a pool of water, a, a, um, a spring, really fresh water. So they had carob and water. And basically, because the clothes are not going to last forever, they bury themselves in the sand and they studied Torah all day. When it was time to pray, they got out of the sand, got dressed, washed themselves off, prayed, went back into the sand. This went on for 12 years. After 12 years, um, Elijah the prophet comes, um, gives him a message and says, you know, the the Romans who decreed your your execution, they died, so the the execution is is off, and you're free to go. So they come out, and they were so holy. They were so far removed from other people that anybody they saw that was not busy studying Torah, they basically looked at, and the guy died. So God sent down a message. I didn't send you out of the cave to destroy my world. So go back in. You need another year just to get back to being normal. So a year later, they come out again, and the son still wasn't ready, and the father repaired everything that that son um, had damaged. And then somebody they see somebody coming with two, two bundles of uh, myrtle branches, and he said it's for the honor of Sabbath. And, and so the father said to the son, you see, people are good, 
Um, if they're not like us, they're not as holy as us, that's fine. We'll be the holy ones, the rest of them will be normal. But the point is, at least the point I was thinking when I started saying over the story was, that when we see people, we have to be nice. You see someone, it doesn't hurt you to smile. You had a bad day, I'm very sorry to hear that. But I don't have to suffer seeing your mopey face. Now, if I see it, you know I'm going to ask you if everything's okay. That's my job. But our job is to be nice, smile, be friendly, be kind. And that really is a perfect lead-in to this week's Torah portion. Why? What happens in this week's Torah portion? So this week's Torah portion talks about the Mitzorah. The Mitzorah is a person who got leprosy. Now, it is debatable amongst the rabbis whether this is a physical leprosy, whether this is a spiritual leprosy. Oh, look at that. We could do that. Um, if you want to put up that, uh, that letter of the week, um, David, that would be great. So behind me is uh, my Lamed, that tall-looking letter. makes an L sound. Its numerical value is 30, and the word for this week is Lashon, which is my language or my tongue, but we really want the phrase Lashon Hara, which means slander and gossip, because that's what we're going to talk about. So let's take it back slowly. So the Mitzorah got leprosy, whether it was a spiritual leprosy, um, whether it was a physical leprosy, whether it was a spiritual leprosy that turned into a physical leprosy. So I've given you all three possibilities because amongst the rabbis, all three discussions come up. But in any case, the person receives leprosy. Why does he receive leprosy? So the Talmud has numerous reasons, but the main reason a person will get this disease, this punishment of leprosy, is because he slandered. He spoke lush and horror. He gossiped. Or she, by the way. It's not only men, I said he, but, you know, we've got to be fair to everybody, he or she, whoever that person is who received the leprosy, it is because the person gossiped. So let's first get through the process. We'll try to do it quickly so I can touch on as many, uh, as many gossip concepts as I could in my short amount of time today, because you know we keep it short and sweet. And uh, so what happens, the person sees this leprosy, it's a, whether it's a white uh, a white uh, discoloration, other parts of the body, it's a different color, and he sees it, and he says, I don't know what this is. Now, what's interesting is the Torah doesn't say go to the doctor. The Torah says go to the priest. Why? Because no matter how we're going to understand this leprosy, it's coming for spiritual reasons. If it's coming for spiritual reasons, you need to go to the person who can help with spiritual healing. Someone who can tell you, this is what you did. This is how you're going to repent. This is how you're going to ask God for forgiveness. This is why it's happening. This is what we're doing to you. This is why you're receiving this punishment. So you go to the Kohen. Now, again, as an interesting aside, um, especially if it's physical, that's dangerous, right? In other words, leprosy is something that is contagious, right? So... But the priest, his job is to take care of this person's spiritual needs, even though the person has a contagious disease, which really, again, brings us full circle what's going on with corona, right? We have these do all these doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals and, and the ambulance drivers and the different uh, organizations that they know they would be safer 
if they got the hunker down at home and stay home and stay safe. We know that that would be the best for them. But they don't do what's best for them. Those doctors and healthcare professionals and nurses and, again, the ambulance and Atsala and all the those charitable organizations, their goal is to help me or help you or help anybody who needs. So even though it's not best for them, but they're doing, they're doing what's best for them. They're doing what's best for me. So the Kohen, the priest who's taking care of this person who has leprosy, he may not be doing what's best for him, but he is doing what's best for the person who now has this leprosy. Which, of course, um, reminds me of a different story that I saw today in the paper. I thought it was unbelievable. Amazing. Really, really amazing. There was a doctor, there is a doctor in John Hopkins in Baltimore. And he has discovered, or he wants to experiment, and I think it's a little bit of both, um, that if he can get plasma from people that have antibodies, he can take that plasma, again, however they inject it, however they do it, you know, I'm not a doctor, and they can use that to give people the antibodies they need to fight the virus. Where are you going to get all this plasma from? So he calls a friend in Muncie, Muncie, New York. It's a suburb of, uh, of New York City. And he says, you know, you in New York have a, unfortunately had the, a huge amount of people that came down with corona, which means you have a lot of people that had it and now have antibodies for it. I need plasma. So um, this person went and he was able to spread the message and he's been getting not just a few, thousands and thousands, mostly men, by the way, but Hasidic men. And it's not only Hasidic. I think the first group was actually from New Rochelle, where everything started. That's a, a, a more modern Orthodox group. But across the gamut, there are Jews lining up wherever they're going to give plasma because, and again, they'll be tested. I don't know all the ins and outs. When my wife read this story this morning, so obviously we're not in New York, we're here in Detroit, but the article did say that in Detroit they're trying to do the same thing. So we're in the middle of trying to figure out, or if you're listening to my voice, you can tell me where. We're in the middle of trying to figure out where we could go because my wife and I both believe we we did have corona. So if we have the right amount of antibodies, take my plasma. Use it. right? But it, it's just such a beautiful thing that, that again, there's been some uh, some bad publicity for many Jews in New York. Um, and fear is fear that they deserve the good publicity when they're the ones now in the forefront trying to help everybody with their, with, you know, by donating their plasma, by, by giving their blood to do whatever they could to, to help others. So again, that's the same idea, right? In other words, there are people that should stay home. We really want everybody staying home. But there are people that have to be out there, right? The doctors have to be out there. The nurses have to be out there. And... I should be out there if I can give my plasma because I need to help others. So again, certainly I worry about myself. But when I have the opportunity, the ability to help others, that's what I should be doing. And that's really the same thing happening in this week's Torah portion, that the Kohen, that the priest, is there to help others even though he'd be safer if he stayed home. So, uh, so therefore, that's, that's what's happening. So, again, so this person who has leprosy, or he doesn't know if he has leprosy, he's going to go to the priest. The first thing the priest does is he says, okay, he looks at it, and it's questionable. He says, okay, we got to lock you up for a week. 
Does that sound familiar with Corona? Right? We got to lock you up for a week. So they put him in a room. I'm sure they slide some food under the door. And, but then I kind of just lock him up because if I don't tell you why you've been locked up, then you're not going to repent because you don't know what to repent for. So the Kohen will explain to him, look, you got this tsaraas, you got this leprosy, you obviously gossip. You, it would seem you gossip or it seem you slander. And the person might say, me, gossip, me, slander. I don't know what you're talking about. So the Kohen will have to teach him. This is called slander. This is called gossip. This is what it does. This is what it accomplishes. This is how it hurts people. Because when you slander, when you gossip, which is something that if I have time, I will get into a little bit today. There's a few different issues with slander and gossip. The first one is that if I slander you, I say you're not a good worker. I say you're not a trusted person. I say you're lazy. I say you don't come to work on time. I say you're not responsible. Now that I've said that, just imagine now what happens to the person I'm talking to. He might now. I might be talking to a guy who's not in a position of power. But go back to my story with those three rabbis. Those three rabbis did not tattletale to the Roman government. And the guy sitting there did not tattletale to the Roman government. He said over the story to his parents. His parents repeated over the story. And then the Roman government found out. So if you start gossiping, slandering, talking about someone's uh, issues somebody's difficulties, some things that might not make him the best worker in the world, you understand how the story is going to change as it keeps getting repeated. So as soon as it gets to a person of, uh, who hires people, oh, that guy, you know, I heard he's not so responsible. I heard he's not so this. I heard he's not, or she, by the way. I heard the person not this, not that, not, not somebody that's going to that's gonna be an asset to our company, to our business, and he's not getting the job. Or um, the same idea, person's trying to get into a school, and uh, there's gossip, and people talk, and the message gets back, and eventually gets you know into the school. You think these things don't happen. These things happen. When you talk, when you gossip nowadays with online, you just click a few, a few buttons. You all know this. You type in somebody's name, and there is so much information out there. You put down gossip on your Facebook page, on your LinkedIn page, you write something about someone somehow, and you didn't even think it was so bad. You even thought you were telling the truth. Maybe you were telling the truth. Maybe you didn't have all the details of the information. But whatever you might be doing, whatever you might be doing, which you think is okay, is clearly not okay. Because the guy didn't get the job, she didn't get into the college that she wanted. Because, again, everybody's checking stuff online, right? Um, you broke up this person's marriage, right? The wife hears from her friends what they heard, what they heard about the husband. The husband hears from his friends what they heard about the wife. You cause friction. You cause that friction. You break people apart. You have people that could have been best friends. Now, you know, there's sometimes people out there, they do it on purpose even. They don't like that these people are all best buddies and friends, and they want to get in there. So they'll say something so you'll think they're better, and uh, the friend is not a good friend for them. People will say anything. People will do anything. And it's terrible, and it's tragic, and it causes, and that's what slander does. Slander, gossip, I don't care if it's true. I don't care if it's not true. I don't care if you say everybody knew about it anyways, or, or I told them not to tell, 
or um, or what's the big deal? Everyone does it anyways. But the bottom line is that at least now this is just one part of the focus on slander. But the bottom line is that somebody who slanders, somebody who gossips, somebody who uh, who just doesn't even talk nicely. So you're you're going to cause separation between people. You're going to put a wedge between friends. You're going to put a wedge between husband and wife. Sometimes you can even put a wedge between parents and children. You would hope that children and parents are smart enough. But those wedges exist, and uh, or you'll cause people not to get a job. And then, right, everything spirals. The person that get the job, now he doesn't have money. Now there's strife in the house. Now the kids end up on their own. Husband and wife are fighting. The, 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 the trauma, the destruction caused by speech is unbelievable. So therefore, the Kohen will tell the person who has Saras, you cause people to separate. You may not think you did. You may not believe me that you did. But God is showing you did. Otherwise, you think God has nothing better to do than to just make you a leper, to make you a Mitzayra? Like, you think God has other things to do. If he's doing it, he's doing you a favor because he's allowing you to at least fix your trait. You may not be able to fix those people you harmed, which if we, I'll see if I have time at the end to get through a quick story. But, <laughs> but at least, at least you have a chance to fix this horrible trait that you have. So you're going to be locked up for a week. See how you like it. Now, what's interesting is the Cohen looks at it after a week. He comes out. Time to re-recheck. If it's gotten smaller, means the person started repenting, and he'll be able to purify himself and go home. If it stays the same, uh, maybe it means he started to repent or he didn't, he didn't start yet and God's given him one, one more week. We, we, we lock him up for another week. And then... And then by the second week, if it hasn't started to get smaller or if it's enlarged, he is now a mitzora, full-fledged leper. He cannot stay with people. He has to go outside the city or in the, in, the, in the desert. He has to go outside the camp. He is not allowed in the city. He is not allowed to go home. I don't know where he lives. I have no idea. Homeless, outside. And even if people want to come to him, he has to yell out to them, I'm a leper, you have to stay away. The only person who's going to go out to meet him and to talk to him is the Kohen. Because the Kohen's goal is to help him repent and to, uh, to show him what he did wrong so he can come back and be a, 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 a good citizen in society. But again, that's only, that's only if, uh, if that's what's going to happen. But, but that's, that's the basic process. Now, it would seem from many commentaries, if he doesn't get healed, he's dead. The disease is just going to take over and just going to kill him. So I'm going to, yeah, I can't not say a most famous parable from the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was famous for writing, I guess, the first law book, really, about slander. It was only written about 100 years ago. And uh, there are people that study it. My wife reads uh, two parts from that book um, every night. Um, anyways, he says a famous story. Somebody came to him and said, Rabbi, I've done a lot of slander. I've done a lot of gossip. You are the master of, uh, of, of the laws. Could you please tell me how should I do my repentance? So the rabbi says, take a feather pillow, go to the middle of town and slice it open and shake out all those feathers. He says, okay, and then come back. So he goes, middle of town, slides up the pillow, 
spreads out uh, the feathers. You, you know what happens with feathers, floating all over the place, comes back to the rabbi, and the rabbi says, he says to the rabbi, okay, now what do I do? So the rabbi says, now go back and collect them. So the guy says, come on, that's impossible. So the rabbi said, right. And that's what you need to understand. That's what happens when a person gossips. When a person gossips, it spreads. And you can't get it back. And it's almost impossible to repent over it because, because I mean, we can repent for, for anything. But you need to know the power of speech and how far it goes and certainly how it connects to Corona, which is what we've been discussing all day. My music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. And we got to thank everybody. Thank you, of course, to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do without you. Remember, stay home, stay safe, enjoy your children, enjoy your family. And, of course, most important, thank you, David, who's taking care of everything. So, I hope I have left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. Far away Special